Ciao, gentlemen. Fresh from Italy since 1948, Pro Rosso is Italy's number one shave brand and trusted around the world. With four different formulas for every type of skin and beard, including their classic Refresh formula with eucalyptus and menthol. It's the brand that four generations have trusted to shave. Take the quiz to find your formula at prorosso-usa.com. Hey everybody, it's Sal Bono, host and creator of Curva Mundial. As a longtime user of Pro Rosso products, I can actually say I enjoy shaving and I feel like I can shave like a pro in my own home. Plus, their beard products are so good that I look forward to growing a beard each winter to try their special fresh Italian formulas. Curva Mundial listeners in the U.S., now is your chance to have a classic Italian take on modern shaving with a discount on products this holiday season at ProRosso-USA.com. American listeners, please use code CURVAMUNDIAL20 for a special discount at ProRosso-USA.com. Valid now through December 31st, 2023. American listeners can use code CURVAMUNDIAL20 at ProRosso-USA.com. The offer is valid one per customer. Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Curva Mundial. I am your host, Sal Bono, and my next guest is a social media influencer, fashion fanatic, OnlyFans personality, author, and like myself, a music junkie. Please welcome to the show, Stoke City supporter, Miss Rue <laughs> Oxley. Welcome, Rue. Hi, I, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Really excited to have you on. You're coming to us from Stoke-on-Trent, which for those listening who don't know is in central England. Uh, in my head, I picture Stoke-on-Trent as a blue-collar working-class town with people who work really hard and want to enjoy life when they can. But what does it mean to come from that city in that town? Um, well, that's a lovely depiction of Stoke. Um, it's quite far off. Stoke's <laughs> a shithole. Um, the re- it really is. There's some nice areas. Um, it's a town that's been forgotten. Um, luckily, we're in the middle, so we're close to Manchester, Liverpool. Um, and I think that's why football and fashion is so important in the state because there's, there's literally nothing else to do. So it's getting pissed up at the weekends and going to football um, and spending all the hard-earned blue-collar money on on football and fashion. So that's that's probably where it comes from. <laughs> um, look, if there there are worse things to be spending your money on, I you know it- there is. Mm-hmm. There is, there really is. So being from Stoke on Trent, I assume this is how your love of Stoke City come about. What does that team mean to you? Um, I mean, being a Stoke fan is a thankless task. No one chooses it. Um, no one wants to be it, but you're born into it. Um, like I said, it's uh, Stoke's one of the oldest clubs in football league in England. Um, we're quite entrenched in it. We've always had a big casual culture. My family um, had a lot of strong ties to it. Um, my nana's business used to sponsor the Victoria Ground. My brother took me up there. I've got a good lads going up there. So it, it, it does mean a lot, but um, it, it's just it's just horrendous watching them because it's it's basically shit. We are shit. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> else we can do. We, we can't choose another team. Believe me, there's you know. We're no, we're no Man United, no Man City, just Stoke, and that's it. So. You know, I, I appreciate the honesty, though. That's This <laughs> is the first time 
I've had uh, guests on that have just like, that's it. You know, some have always like given, oh, like who's the Ipswich fan that is just like, oh, well, there's hope. And, you know, there's that. No, you're just, you're just right. To the there is, it's hopeless. No, we are, we are, we are hopeless. Um, it's been a painful season. Let's put it that way. Um, the way games have been fun. And um, obviously we are still in a championship, but I actually prefer being there and, you know, controversially I don't think we'd last long again in the Premier League I think the Premier League is the epitome of modern football it's boring it's shit at least at the championship way games it's a bit more live you're not as not as much obviously in the golden era right but um, there's 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 something there's a bit more to you know get his teeth stuck into that is that's very interesting though you point that out because I I'm finding myself for many years now noticing that it's the reason why we all fall in love with this game is mm-hmm. not for the money. It's not for it. It's it's not. It's of course you want your trophies. Of course you want your silverware. Yeah. But there's that competitiveness, and you're finding it more and more in these lower divisions in the footballing pyramid. And I don't care what country you're in. Yeah. You know, so for you, getting back to Premier League doesn't seem like something that appeals to you, which is which is I find quite interesting. Um. You know, we did it a couple of years ago. We managed with uh, managed to stay, hang around in mid-table mediocrity for a while, um, and that's all we be. We don't, we don't have big um, foreign investments. Although, you know, our owner is um, is about three six five owner, uh, the Coates family, who are local family. So we're not in any debt. We just don't spend. The, I don't think we invest the money wisely, and I've been. The team can't be asked, you know. They don't want. They don't look like a Premier League team. They look more like a team that's playing Sunday lads and dads. So okay. until they sort the shit out, then there's no point, you know. So it looks like we're Championship forever at the moment. I mean, we're lucky how we played some of the games this season that we haven't even gone down. <laughs> wow, you know the club, as you mentioned, is one of the oldest. It's 160 yeah. years old. It's one of 12 founding members of the Football League in 1888. You know. Yeah. Being a fan of such a historic club, despite the fact that they might not be that great these days, you know. But what does that mean? That seems to be like that. That that's a piece of history right there that you can't really beat. You know, they've weathered so much. Right. Um. That's that's right, and I think that's why it's kind of the only thing to stake as a city really has a lot of. I mean, the pottery industry had a bit of a renaissance comeback a couple of years ago. Um, obviously, COVID's hit that. And, um, you know, it, it's a special place, let's put it that way. And basically, we can slag it off. We can slag Stoke off. No one else can do that. You know, it's, it's kind of our shit all. Um, but the people are special. Um, you know, they're very unique, very creative. Um, the music industry, the music scene, sorry, is 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 really good at in Stoke. We used to have raves there coming back again. So there's a kind of, I don't know, like a fire, I think, in the valleys of, of what to do and stuff. So, yeah, it's, um, we're proud of it, but, we, you know, we, we, we're sick of them as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the 70s and even a decade ago, maybe just over a decade ago, Stoke were in European competition in the Europa League. Take me yeah, back to 2011, right. what that was yeah. like having your club in European competition. Well, I watched them play um, the Croatian side, Hedrick Splits. Um, they played and they won it at home, actually. And it was great. It was really good. And our game was in like, the Tony Poulos era. era. But um, we kind of just stagnated there. We didn't get any further. But it, it was exciting. 
Um, and it, there's nothing to stop us going to European games at the moment. I mean, I know some lads who went to Ajax yesterday in Amsterdam. Um, and I think that's what, if you want kind of European bit of football, um, for Stoke, you're going to have to go and see another team play because it won't happen for us for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. This is fantastic. Yeah, you're, you are a fixture at the Bet365 Stadium where Stoke play. Walk me through what it's like on game day. What is that atmosphere like? I know this team, as you said, is shit, but yeah. there's some there's something that brings you back over and over again and that makes you excited by it. Um, I mean, I've I've watched Luke since um you know the early days. I didn't want to see them at the story ground, I was just a bit too young for that. So I started to see them when Britannia Stadium was first built, which is the same stadium now, it's just been renamed. I used to love match day and it was a completely kind of ritual and the bars and stuff were buzzing, everyone wearing the best club there. Um, you'd hopefully get a few skirmishes or watch a few skirmishes from the away teams. Um, unfortunately, it's not recreating that at the moment. Um, and you know, but where I used to sit in the ground would be near the away ends. So that's as far as you can, you know. A bit of atmosphere there. Other times, um, I go with you know um, some events stuff up there, but it's, it's not the same. Um, match day used to be a big thing in town, and you'd know what it's match day. You would know, gotcha. but now it's it's just not like that anymore. Wow, wow! You know, as I mentioned in the intro, you're a, we're going to switch gears just for a hot second. Yeah, sure. We're going to tie back in. Uh, as I mentioned in the intro, you're a massive music fan like myself. I first came mm -hmm. across your page with the great Alan McGee. You two were hanging yes. out. Um, he's the, For those that don't know, he's the man that founded Creation Records, discovered Oasis, Las Vegas, Jesus and Mary Chan, among so many others. Uh, he posted mm -hmm. a photo of the both of you hanging out. How did you get to know McGee? And is he a larger than life personality that I expect him to be? Um, I've always got on with him sounds. Um, I, I think he's great. Um, through Insta, really. Um, and I've gone to a few gigs with him. I was on stage with Cast, which is a Scouse band, and uh, he managed John Power. Um, so it just coincides with from Manchester Liverpool. And if he's in town, I'll, I'll catch up with him. And, and that's about it, really. Um, so he's 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 read the manuscript of a book. Um so hopefully I'll do me a quote for that as well. <laughs> but um, yeah, he sounds, he sounds. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now we talked about Bet365 Stadium and how the spirit on game day is not what it used to be. But mm -hmm. if you bring a band there that might get some people excited, who would you love to see play at your hometown stadium? Um, I mean, uh, <laughs> not Robbie Williams, because he's a Stokey, but he's Vale. He's a poor Vale fan. Um, I mean, many of my favourites, and I think I've answered this before, like, you know, obviously I'm a big Oasis fan. Um, um, I was, you know, growing up in the late 90s indie scene, so my I went to see bands like Oasis, I went to see Ocean Colour Scene, Paul Weller, um, you know, Stone Roses. So that captures my imagination because, you know, they're not from too far up the road, their limits kind of speak to you, you know, we kind of um, relate to being from like these working class areas, you know. So any of those would be great. Um, aside from that, Primal Schumer was good live. Nice, yeah. Massive attack, prodigy, you know, old school dance, that'd be great. I love it. I love it. Let, book a festival. It's the yeah, it, 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 it's the Rue Festival. That's it. Um, 
you're always looking great at the stadium and at gigs with your impeccable fashion. Uh, for, this is an audio podcast, people that can't see, but there's a whole beautiful rack of Stone Island right behind you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you consider yourself a casual. What does that term mean and how important is fashion to you? I wouldn't put, consider myself a casual uh, per se. I grew up with, um, like say, in the in casuals we're going since the early 80s, um, I think there's a kind of zeitgeist um, of a new casual movement towards the late 90s, which I kind of got wind of. And we were growing up with, um, you know, a sea of Burberry and Akaskutum and Fajinarbal and obviously Alderstone and the CP. It was everywhere. Um, lads I know would craft all week for it to go and peek up around the match and they would look immaculate. So clothes have always been... Um, intrinsic to to me and I think it's the identity of casuals I wouldn't you know like so um I mean I, I do dress casual I think you've either got it or you haven't right. being casual is not just wearing a stone island badge or a CP goggle hat that, that's not a casual make it's it's all about looking better than someone else always about sourcing something that no one else had looking the smartest standing out and so I write in the book, it's like, no one stands out anymore. Like uh, When you go to the match, it's a sea of, of, of glistening Stone Island overshirts. There's no originality there. They think putting it on is making them hooligans. You may as well have a sign pointing to the old bill that, you know, you want to look like one. You know, that wasn't, that was never meant to be the case. You meant to look like you were bit more upper class than where you were from to evade the police and also just to show off to your peers um and to look better than them so you know wearing sound does not necessarily make anymore i have got a big collection um but my favorite stuff is the early 90s late 80s pieces i think <laughs> nice nice that's uh it's it's the the stark contrast of your wardrobe behind you and like the shitty flannel that I'm wearing and baseball hat is sort of just perfectly <laughs> talking about fashion. Uh, well, it's quite it's early really, in the morning for me as we record this. So. Well, you, you, you can't switch off yet. You know, you, you can't at the moment. I'm wearing um, head to toe LS, um, which uh, get given by '80s casual classics on, and you know, the I've interviewed the guy who owns that for yeah. my book, so. He, they they kind of um, bringing back a lot of eighties casual labels that were forgotten about, um, such as Lois, Patrick, um, Theodora, things like that. So the early eighties, the kind of tennis look, Fila and Tashini, you know, that's all kind of casual and that. And it, it's just how you wear it. You don't have to wear labels. You could go go out wearing a plain Marks and Spencer's polo or a Benetton top, but you, people would know how you walked, how you looked, what trainers you're wearing, that you were casual, and I'm afraid you can't you can't learn that. You either are or you aren't. I get it. I get it. The <laughs> the streets, I look, being from New York City, the streets are a one way. I understand what this all this <laughs> Um it's uh you know, as I said, as I look like, you know, I just rolled out of bed because I did. Um, here we go. So it's I'm not the I'm not as as someone who does love fashion, I'm not the authority on this. So I'm very happy to be talking <laughs> about this. At least um, you're not wearing at least you're not wearing a cap backwards because that would be a crime. No, 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 no. That no, would no. be that would be sacrilege. No, I would not. You know. No, no, no. I'm 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 pushing forty. The backwards hat <laughs> thing ended when I uh, turned twenty-five. So, uh, you know, with. The funny thing is, is that all of this is going to get brought in together now. Do you think that there's a special connection between music, fashion, and football? 
100 percent one 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 a million percent um absolutely they all went with each other i mean um but the, the, um, there's a pet shop boys song called Paninaro from the 80s um which is also you know um the milanese youth looking absolutely beautiful in uh montclair and turn island hanging out in you know, we picked up on that. Um, Paninara is a chapter in my book as well. So that you know, people like um, the House Martins with with Fatboy Slim in it. They were, you know, they <laughs> they were all they were all insane to fight that. You know, um, it was just um, it's totally a see. It's it's they work with each other. It's a total relationship. I'm throwing my arms up every time she name checks a band or a song that <laughs> I haven't and that I haven't listened to in a while. And I'm just like, yes, yes. Okay, so well, Paul Heaton, Paul Heaton, he was obviously in Beautiful South. Um, he is a Sheffield United fan. Is it Sheffield, Sheffield United Sheffield Wednesday? And um, I remember watching him Top of the Pops when I was younger, and he he was a lad, and you could tell he was a lad, and he used to wear some like um old school CP company. And he just he just rocked it and he wore it. Um, I mean, look at Bez from Happy Mondays. You know, he's wearing this CP Mila. You know, the goggle um, hood. You know, it, it's always been that. I mean, Paul Weller, a mod, and um, even Liam Gallagher is quoted as saying, "You know, my style. It's this football thing. It's a casual thing." And right. he's always worn he's he's always worn casual clothes. So it goes deep. It goes deep. Love it. Love it. You are a social media influencer and OnlyFans personality. How did all that come about? And what was it like for you to start your OnlyFans page? I mean, I hate the term influencer because I don't think I am one bit. I just started dicking about on Instagram and putting what I was doing. It's not contrived. Um, you know, I'm pretty much I'm going out in, at the football most weekends, wearing casual clothes, that's it, you know um so and it, and it just grew really organically um so obviously casual big football pages started picking up on some of the pictures on that and started posting them so that's where i'd get more followers so yeah so i've had to kind of start again because instagram got really really strict so they disabled my account last year which was a bit of a mistake so i start again so i am very careful on it so because i'm quite careful on it and you know you can't get away with showing as much stuff on there i just decided to set up an only fans page but um that that doesn't really define me i'm not really interested in, in that really at all yeah but i'm going to use my instagram to promote my book and, and stuff like that though and I i've met it. some people through it i mean i've met yourself sal yes. I've met, <laughs> um i've met um mickey obviously i've met a few of the people on there um you know and i've made some great connections um and it's just and the people i've managed to get to interview for my book i would never have done it without instagram right i also i want to thank you for uh, putting me in the same sentence as mcgee so i no you're officially my favorite guest of all time so uh we're good i think the interview is over no <laughs> um but it's it is interesting though because i came as i said like i, I found you through alan mcgee and there was something just there was a definition of cool from your page that was just like it exuded yeah. through and i was like this is awesome like this is just this is so cool and it just it, as you said like i i don't like the term influence either it's just it's what we use now i guess as a society yeah. but there was something that was natural about it and you said it yeah. yourself that it wasn't contrived you know mm -hmm. but now we see and 
there's a lot of fucking assholes. There's a lot of dicks. And we see so many <laughs> yeah. trolls on social media who take yeah. aim at OnlyFans personalities who are into football and have an yeah. OnlyFans page and belittle them for basically enjoying yeah. this and they can't be a serious football fan. How do you deal with that and um, just ignore it? I couldn't give a fuck, no. I, I don't care. Um, I really don't care. <laughs> um, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. If they put some comment on it and I don't, I just, I just delete it and block and I've never thought about it ever again in my life. And they take, if they, no one likes what I put on there or no one likes what I do, just don't follow me. I'm, I, I'm not asked, you know. Um, so it doesn't affect me. And like I say, you know, I don't try, you know, the page is just me. That it's just based on what I'm doing on pretty much a daily basis, just having a laugh and just getting through life and thinking about listening to music, going to raves, going to football, and um, sharing sharing the clothes that I'm in the clobber that um, I'm wearing at the time. And that's about it. So, you know, anything else they don't like it, they can fucking do one. I love it. I love. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> See, like it's, it, you are as authentic as I hoped you would be. So this is, this is fantastic. But you, but the thing is, is that you are such a strong, independent woman. Um, your mom. You are so. You wear so many hats. But there was there are other women who might not be as strong as yeah. you. What advice do you give them? Oh God, my advice would be don't take advice of me. I mean, what do I know? <laughs> don't, do, don't do anything I do. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I honestly wouldn't know how to answer that. I've got a good, strong network. I've grown up with the same people, my family close to me. As long as they know what I'm doing and, and they, you know, they know the truth about me, then 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 that's it. That's all that matters. And I don't think she really care about anything else apart from your family and your close friends because life's way too short to be worried about fucking strangers and um, shit hangers on a, on the on laptop who cares perfect i love it that, you know, <laughs> i I'm, I'm going to heed your advice as well <laughs> so that'd be my life coaching just don't give a fuck at all um, I, I would love to give a quote for the book and i that might just be it i might just repeat your <laughs> back to you uh but speaking of the book you're writing mm -hmm. this book what is it and how did it come about and when is it coming okay great so the book is coming out hopefully in by September. It is I finished it. It's called Clobber Exclusion Mark. And it's bridging the gap between casuals and their consumption of clobber. And it's from my perspective, female perspective. And um it kind of follows on that 10 years ago I did a master's degree in marketing. I've got two degrees and um so my dissertation was about symbolic consumption. And it was a brands and terrorist culture in Stoke-on-Trent. Um, I got a distinction from Masters. And then um, I had to interview, obviously, casuals and hooligans for it. A lot of academic paper, a lot of literature review. And then during lockdown and towards the end of lockdown, I was just looking and then I just came across a publishing house that said submit an idea. And I literally wrote it in about five minutes and I just thought well you know what how people consuming brands now what's changed in 10 years got a lot of change in brands and consumption in 10 years of the internet and also like what's going on with international casuals because the casual scene is growing internationally as you know in America Eastern Europe um South you know so I wanted to kind of look and explore what what's going on there and um I've done that so 84,000 words on Casual consumption post two thousand and ten is is on its way. <laughs> I love it. 
That sounds fantastic. What did you learn like while doing this? Like how did, was it something that like, obviously it's a topic that interests you, but was it something yeah. that were things, the casual culture in let's just say Asia or South America, yeah. was it something that surprised you or was it the fact that like this, this thing that we did in the eighties and nineties here in Britain has now mm. gone all over the world. Like, is that, yeah. is that what surprised you as well? Um, it didn't surprise me too much. And um, so I interviewed, um, obviously, quite not just football hooligans and casuals um, in my area and, you know, nationally, internationally. I also speak to kind of um, key protagonists in this kind of scene. I call them the collaborati. So there's commentators, <laughs> um, there's brand owners, you know, there's people, you know, really in it. So, I mean, I spoke to the guy who actually owns CP company, Lorenzo Rosti. Um, he's interviewed in the book. And he was really interesting because he really interested me because he was basically saying that there's hardly any casual scene in Italy anymore, which is obviously where we looked for inspiration in the first place. And how the, the small casual scene in Italy looks to UK, in specific northern UK, for kind of casual style tips and that. Um, Eastern Europeans don't surprise me at all because they've always kind of had this ultralistic kind of look about them where they all like train up in woods with balaclavas and they're just going nuts at the football matches. Casuals were never as trained as that and we look loads better than the plain black. But what just surprised me is there is a growing ultra scene in the UK. Not casual, like some, some groups are actually turning up like, you know, looking like ultras, which surprises wow. me. Wow. You know, it's funny that you mentioned something that I I didn't, I, I had always assumed, but didn't know for sure was that, mm -hmm. that, that the casual culture did take influence from the Italians. Uh, yeah. Being Italian myself, you know, obviously yeah. there was the, there was the, the scooter movement of the, uh, the eighties, the seventies, yeah. uh, early eighties. Um, the, the Fila track suits, uh, Benetton, yeah. as you mentioned earlier, Diodora, you know, what what was it about the Italian culture and fashion and just what they were doing that the UK were sort of the, able to co-opt but also make their own? I think it's it is a quite um a couple it's a couple of answers for that and I think it all goes together as well. So obviously the um, the, the football fans were going abroad to the you know the European matches not Stoke, <laughs> we were. Um, <laughs> and they were going there and looking at, you know, the very swish, cruel-looking Italians because they were having their own Padinaro youth culture moments at the same time. So they were coming back with, with labels like Stone Island and CP Company because they just looked so different. So called Paul and Chart was another one, um, Armani, etc. And it just looked so cool with it. And also I think with, with, um, with the casual scene, the UK's always had a very good youth subcultures. The casual probably been the last, the best one. And all the subcultures have always tried to kind of um, portray themselves as less working class and more and, and better working class, the British working class thing. Um, and it falls on from the mods who dress, well, the, the teddy boys and the, the mods, they're all dressing in, you know, really high class suits and stuff. And the casuals are just a different, um, 
a take on that. But also in the late 80s, early 90s, there's a massive sports scene going on as well. So trucky tops becoming acceptable as wearing rather than just wearing it for, you know, to play sport. So I think all that coincided at the same time, which is why Fila looked amazing. Fila was really popular and Dashini in that, you know, because all the, the 80s tennis players are wearing it and they just look cool labels. So we just reappropriated it. But we don't like anyone appropriating it from us. <laughs> yeah now that's the thing it's like now everyone has taken it you it's almost like you you co-opted it but then made it your own by incorporating the tunes i think that's also like the thing that kind of drove it more than just like football and fashion was that you had then as you said uh bez from happy mondays you had the guys mm-hmm. in stone roses you had oasis you had even you know blur were a little more chic but they were still pulling off like a style that you know, wasn't yeah, really yeah, but I think Blair were art school boys, so they never kind of really had that um, background, that real genuine authenticity for casual scene. Um, obviously, Liam did. He was always wearing casual stuff from the beginning. I mean, Man City were just as shit as Stoke. I watched Man City play Stoke enough times, and it really aggravates me that they end up getting bought out and <laughs> you look a look at them now. Right, right. <laughs> um, but even back in the like late seventies, music was um, influencing Scallies, Perry Boys, late seventies, eighties. Um, David Bowie used to have a wedge haircut, right. um, wearing a duffel coat, which is a glove roll duffel coat, um, and that really inspired the look in the late eighties, uh, early eighties. Wow, it's always See, been that. This is. I can't wait to dive into this book because <laughs> I feel like I'm walking around in a Shane Meadows movie with, with you and you're taking me on a tour of all of this. And this really is England, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, and there's a lot, and this is um, when I speak to some of the um, brand owners like from Terrace Colton, and I was saying to me, like, 80s casuals, there's such a difference regionally in the UK as well. And there always has been, we, we, you know, uh, the Northern casuals, he would claim it as theirs, Northwest. Um, I've got a totally different style to say Southern casuals who would wear a bit more like, I'd say, flash labels such as Dr. Gabbana, Armani and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they wore it differently. Gotcha. All right. You know, Rue, this is so enlightening we're not done yet we're almost we're in the that's fine, that's we're fine. Not done yet. uh where can people find you on social media and keep up with rue um so my instagram page at the moment if it hasn't been taken down again is <laughs> <laughs> at miss rue oxley i'm using the same for twitter and i will obviously be keeping everyone posted about my book i did the front cover photo shoots the second one i did was last week and um, that's gone really well um my my sisters helped me design it so hopefully the design will work um so yeah i'm really happy with it and i, I hope it comes out soon but I'm, I'm setting up an email address so people can register their interest for the book and i can let them know when it's going to be a book launch and hopefully have people there and listen to some music and sign some books and have a good time hopefully that's great that's great please let me know and you know we'll get the i will Fine, you must come you must come you should All right. come I have to come to Stoke now. I have to come to Stoke. I'm going to be holding it in Stoke and everything. No chance. I might be Manchester, not Stoke. Well, what's funny is, is that 
you are now there are so many people that I have on your season that were all United fans, many of them. They've all invited me. So I think I might have to take a trip to Manchester. I've been to London so many times, but now I might have to take a trip to Manchester and, mm-hmm. and we'll just have to all do it up. We'll all go out together. Well, I would not meet you at Old Traffic because uh, we hate Man United beyond belief. State. Totally fine. Wherever you, yeah, you know, we, we, we have morals. <laughs> we might be shit with morals. Might be from a shithole, but I have some morals. <laughs> Now time for a coffee break. Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from ModCup.com. Mod Cup, drink modern coffee. Use code MUNDIAL for 10% off your first order. Now we're going to play my favorite part of the podcast. It's three rapid fire questions. If, oh, God. if you could, this is the ultimate fantasy football here. If you could bring back one retired player to your club, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Um, I, um, I'd say Peter Fox, who was an amazing Stoke goalkeeper, and he was he pretty much because of kind of that's where most goalies have learned their techniques from. Love it. And now, random, but yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, we're going to pretend we have Manchester City money. If your club could sign one active player today, who would it be and why? Oh, I don't know that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Because the thing is, if, you know, we could, if he had all the money in the world and you'd buy one player, it does, that's not going to make any difference. Finally, what has been your favourite moment as a fan of this team? This team this, or the season? The team, like overall, like what has been, or the game, what has been your favorite moment as a fan of football? Um, I think when um, I can't remember what game we played. Um, I think it's about two thirds of the way through the season, and they actually started playing well. I think that's my favorite part <laughs> <laughs> when they've woken up for the season. That's that's my favorite part <laughs> when they started turning up for the match. All right, all right, and and you're getting your money's worth at that point. Yeah, just about. You and, you and everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Rue Oxley, this has been so much fun. Thank you so, oh, so you much so for doing having this. me. Thanks so much, Sal. And um, see you at Manchester soon, maybe. Yep. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.